Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, can be found on page 1293 in your Red Pew Bible. First, let us go to the Lord for prayer of illumination. Please pray with me. Holy God, Word made flesh, let us come to this Word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions. Cast out our casual detachment. Confound our expectations. Clear the cobwebs from our ears. Penetrate the corners of our hearts with this word. We know that you can. We pray that you will. And we await with great anticipation. Amen. 1 Peter 1, 1, 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than the gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yeah, my, my son loves these videos, and he asks me probably about five times a day, Daddy, can we watch the balloon animals? Uh, but it's also, it's a fun reminder that life just doesn't always go the way we plan, does it? One minute you're chasing down, you've got your eye on the target, you know what you want, and then the next minute you're rolling head over heels and you don't know which way is up. Now, things, things don't always go as we plan, as hard as we try to keep things comfortable, to keep things safe, to plan ahead. We live in a broken world where bad things can happen to us no matter how hard we try to avoid them. There's a guy named Dan Allender. He got an email from one of his friends. We'll call him John. And John emailed him and he said, hey, Dan, just want to tell you about something that happened. So I was working for this company and uh, I was working on this deal, and I, I, I did a great job with it. I did everything exactly the way it needed to be. So I even found some ways to save our client money. And because of that, we're set up for the next deal that's going to come along, which is going to be even bigger. So a couple hours after I turn in the paperwork, my boss calls me into his office, and I thought, all right, I'm about to get a raise. As you can imagine, after a few minutes, he realized that he was about to get fired. Things didn't go the way he planned. And we see that story play out in our own lives again and again, don't we? We can exercise, eat healthy, and then one day you find a lump that wasn't there. You can show up on time every day, make the best sales numbers in the county, but when the company is downsizing, who's the first one to go? You can even read your Bible every day, pray every day, lead hundreds of people to the Lord, and then you can watch as your kid goes off following the world instead of Jesus. Desiring comfort and safety and planning ahead, those aren't bad things. 
But we know that we live in a broken world and life doesn't always follow our plan. And there's no guarantee in life that the plan that we've set is the path that we're going to walk down. Well, at this point in the story, we're going to be reading about some people that knew what it was like following, following a path that they didn't plan. The Jews are in exile at this point. Right? The kingdom had split, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And then the north was destroyed, and now the south in Judah has been destroyed. And a lot of the people there have been taken captive. Now they're exiles, and they're working for the kings uh, who are ruling over their country. And one man in particular stands out, a government employee named Daniel. And his story is going to show us what we need to remember when life doesn't follow our plan. So we're going to read from Daniel chapter 6. It's on page 943 in your pew Bible, or if you're following along in the story, it's page 257. Daniel 6, starting in verse 1. But before we read, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts with your word? Would you change us, encourage us, strengthen us? Show us more about who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So at this point in the story, you see Daniel, and now he's serving his third king at this time. He started off with Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who was the one you remember, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, thrown in the furnace. God miraculously saves them. And then the next king was his son, Belshazzar, who was then ousted when the Persians came and took over. And now Daniel's under King Darius, his third king. And each time, he's doing what he needs to be doing. He's serving each king with distinction. Now he's up for this big promotion. And the text even says that the other leaders couldn't find anything against him, no ground for complaint or any fault. He says Daniel was faithful, no error, no fault. And they said, we're not going to find any grounds against him. Daniel's doing everything right. And he's moving up the ladder, serving God and king faithfully. But as we know, life doesn't operate on this X equals Y type of formula. You can't bargain with God and say, well, if I do everything right or I have enough faith, my kids won't get hurt. I won't lose my job. Nobody I love will get sick. And Daniel lives in that same broken world that we live in. And so we start to see the other leaders in the kingdom starting to work up a plan to set him up. So we read on in verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed. In other words, we all agree that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. 
Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So Daniel is about to get set up. These people come to the king to set him up, and now Daniel knows this. He knows that he's been set up. And what does he do? He could have tried to bargain with God. He could have said, God, I'll keep praying. I'll keep doing this if you get me out of trouble. He's in his 80s at this point, so he could have just said, you know what, I'm too old for this. I'm going to go pray in my closet, and I'll see you guys later. He could have done anything to try and stay out of trouble, but he didn't. He goes up and he prays for Jerusalem. And we learn later, Daniel was praying for his people to have their home again. He was praying that God would restore them and restore that nation. He wasn't even praying for himself. Daniel risked death rather than stop praying, which as an aside makes me think, how committed are we? What would, what would I do in that situation? What would you do? Where are we secret Christians for the sake of our own comfort, our own safety, of keeping our own plan? And when I was in college, I decided I wanted to take a Hebrew class and uh, start trying to learn Hebrew. I didn't very well, but I tried. And uh, as I was walking to my class with a, a, a Jewish girl from one of my other classes, we're walking down, and our classes are in the same area, and she said, oh, what class are you going to? Oh, I'm going to Hebrew. And she got this look on her face, and she looked me right in the eyes, and she said, you're not, you're not doing that because of that Jesus, are you? Welcome to Austin. <laughs> um, I looked her right back in the eyes, and I said, oh, no. No, not me. No, I'm, I'm not doing it because of Jesus. Where are we secret Christians where God is instead calling us to be faithful? And what could have come from whatever conversation that might have happened if I just was faithful and just said, well, yeah, I am. I'd, I'd love to learn more about Jesus. You know, wouldn't you? What could have happened there? But anyway, we read on, starting in verse 11. These men came by agreement and they found Daniel making petition openly and plea before his God. Then they came near and they said before the king, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Hey king, do you still mean this? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. And now they've got him. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So these advisors go in there. They're really kind of Daniel's employees, They go in there and they reinforce the law that Darius made to make sure he can't change his mind without some serious consequences. And then they tell the king, Daniel, 
And how do they describe him? Daniel, who's what? What do they say? He's one of the exiles from Judah. They don't say Daniel, who served three kings faithfully, or Daniel, who's helped your kingdom thrive, or Daniel, who you want to put in charge of the country. They call him Daniel, the exile, the outsider, the foreigner, the refugee. And then they go on to say, he pays no attention to you. Now, could that possibly be true? That Daniel, who's about to be put in charge of the country, doesn't pay any attention to the king? No. It's just that Daniel is not going to worship Darius as God rather than worship the living God. And so now they've got him. And we read on in verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. And you know what I'm thinking at this point? What in the world is going on with Darius? He's the king. Why is he having such a hard time here? Why is he trying so hard to save Daniel? Why is he compelled to even pray to a God that he probably doesn't believe in? The king tries to find a loophole. The king is greatly distressed. The king stays up all night trying to save Daniel. The king doesn't want Daniel to be punished because that's not part of his plan. See, we, don't necessarily, we usually call this Daniel in the lion's den, but we could probably call this Darius and the lion's den because this story is about a pagan king discovering the living God and learning the lesson of what to do when things don't go according to plan. See, with the whole story, Daniel's plan never changes. He's going to serve God, and he's going to serve the city in which God placed him. He never changes his plan. He just keeps on serving God no matter what. It's not his plan that had the kink thrown in it. It's Darius' plan. Darius is ready to make Daniel second in command, and then all of a sudden, he has to put him to death. Let's read on. Verse 19. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Do you see the distress in his voice? Can you imagine the anguish as he's waiting while his men roll away the stone? He's crying out, Daniel, are you still alive? And then, verse 21, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad 
and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. Daniel was alive. He was alive because God shut the mouths of the lions. He was alive because God judged him as innocent and showed Darius that he hadn't done the wrong that was accused of. But look at what happens with Darius. Look at that in verse 23. He was exceedingly glad. And you see, when he starts at the break of day, as soon as he possibly can, he runs to the den to see if Daniel's alive. And then he condemns the other ones to punishment the same punishment they sought for Daniel. And we see in that a little bit of a, a, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen on the final judgment, right? When Christ comes back and because of the work of Christ will be proclaimed innocent and all of the darkness will be put away forever. We see some of that. And what I really want to say after seeing Daniel come up out of the pit with no harm on him is I really want to say that God's always going to deliver us the same way he delivered Daniel. That when you go down in a den, you're going to come out unharmed. If you believe enough, if you trust enough, if you have enough faith, that's what I really would like to say. Because that sounds really nice, doesn't it? But that's only true if we have a heaven-focused perspective. That's only true if we have a Christ-focused perspective. If we're looking for immediate comfort or immediate healing in this life, immediate relief from poverty, war, injustice, betrayal, sickness... We might get a taste of that now. We might get a taste, and it's okay to seek that as part of trying to make this world look a little more like heaven. But if we want to know the real comfort that we should take away from this story, the point of the story, the thing that we need to remember every time life doesn't go according to our plan, then we need to keep reading and see what comes next from Darius. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree, a new kind of decree from the one he just made. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Darius and the lion's den is about the conversion of a king. It's about a king who watches his plans go haywire. And in the process, he learns something about himself and something about the living God. And after the anguish and the distress and the sleepless night and the anxiety and the anger that comes from seeing life's plans change so radically, he realizes something. See, he had made a proclamation that was saying he was God. But now he says, Daniel's God is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues where Darius could not. He saves where Darius could not. He has ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. That's what Darius saw. Don't we so often see ourselves as king? Doesn't our culture train us to think that we're in charge, that we can do whatever we want, 
I can have it all my way. Isn't that what our culture says? Isn't that what it teaches us and what it wants us to believe? But there's no king but King Jesus. And if you keep on reading the book, Daniel goes on to share this vision that he has of the true king of kings whose kingdom will have no end, the king that all rulers in the nation and in the world will have to bow before him. And the God who rescued Daniel from the lion's den is the same God who went to the cross in our place. Jesus Christ entered into the den of sin and death in our place, but he didn't just close the jaws of the lions. He broke their teeth so that sin and death have no power over us. If you belong to Christ, sin and death is broken. It's a lion with no teeth, with no claws. And our hope in the midst of watching our plans fall apart is that we belong to a king who is stronger than death. We belong to the king that promises one day he'll put an end to evil and bring heaven to earth. And that means that the greatest pain that you ever experience on this side of resurrection is the smallest bit of hell you will ever taste. That is the only bit of hell you will ever know. And the greatest pleasure that you experience is the smallest taste of what you'll have in heaven forever. And that will make the pain seem so small. When we feel powerless, God is not. And none of this has taken him by surprise. He's the God who saves. He's the God who endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And that's the same lesson Darius learned, and it's the same thing we need to remind ourselves of today. So how do we do that? How do we help ourselves remember our king? One way is to meditate on God's word. Take something, think about it, pray over it, ruminate on it. And a great psalm to start with, Psalm 34, which brought Kathy Keller uh, Tim Keller's wife, it brought her in, in, uh, in her struggle, in battling cancer and, 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 and all the other things that she had to deal with. It helped her to realize who God is and to say, I will walk through death and come out on the other side healed, restored, through to the other side of resurrection where our real hope and future is. We can also worship and pray in community. We can pray with each other, pray for each other, God's given us each other to strengthen each other, to remind each other of the truth of Scripture, to minister to each other. And then seek God. Don't look for the anesthesia. Wrestle with God. He invites that. Look for guidance through your situation from others. Find it in books. One of the best books that I've, I've re- ever read that's helped me through changes in life that I didn't expect is called The Healing Path by a guy named Dan Allender. It's one of the best books. And on the back is the thing that caught my attention. It says, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. Finally, allow the Holy Spirit to touch your imagination and to help you begin to dream of the future that we have in Christ. To begin to dream about what it will look like someday when the pain is so small and when the best thing we experience here is just a picture, just a taste of what we'll have in heaven. Tim Keller reminds us that the biblical view of things is resurrection, not a future that's a consolation, not sitting on a cloud playing on a harp. It's going to be the life, it's going to be a restoration of the life we've always wanted. So as we walk through the changes that are going to come, let's look to King Jesus. Look to King Jesus, 
who told us that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you would be with us. Work in our hearts. Help us to put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us continue now in an attitude of worship, one of praise, and one of thanksgiving as the ushers come to receive his tithes and our offerings.